Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. Elsewhere, Paul uh, shared that he had a thorn in the flesh, and three times he asked God to remove it. Uh, some believe it might have been a, a problem with his eyesight, or perhaps uh, a problem with his sickness or ongoing illness. Uh, but whatever it was, God didn't answer the prayer in the way that Paul desired. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, I'll glory in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Uh, God's grace is sufficient for our needs. Some of you, I'm sure, have experienced that in difficult times. Uh, God's comfort, uh, how God has lifted you up when you've been broken. Uh, perhaps the forgiveness of God that has sustained you in a difficult time. Uh, but Christ is sufficient. And that's what Paul is, is talking about here in the Scripture today. Um, he's receiving a gift uh, from the Philippian church, and, and he is, um, he's thanking them for it. And he's talking about how God has, has blessed through this gift and how it's a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. But he also tells them, he says, I want you to understand that I've learned the secret of contentment. Uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't send me a gift, I'm grateful for the gift, but if you didn't send me a gift, I still uh, would know that God's grace would be sufficient for me. Uh, he says, I've learned, whatever state I'm in, to be content. And uh, he also talks about the fact that because of their generosity, he says, and my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So Christ was sufficient for the Apostle Paul in every season of his life, in the good times and the bad times, uh, the times of sickness, of uh, the times of persecution. Whatever he faced, he learned the secret of contentment. And uh, Christ is sufficient for us. And I want to show you some ways from the Scripture that Christ is sufficient for us. And the title of my message is Sufficient in Christ. And look at with me at verse 10. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because once again you renewed your care for me. You are in fact concerned about me, but lack the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. 
And all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong in Caesar's household. Uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So sufficient in Christ. In what ways is Christ sufficient for us? First of all, he is sufficient for our satisfaction. He is sufficient for our satisfaction. He says, uh, he says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I have learned to be content. You see, contentment and satisfaction don't come from circumstances. They come from the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul has learned to walk closely with him, he has found that he can have joy in the darkest places. Um, I think about him and Silas singing in the jail after being beaten for preaching the gospel. Um, I, you know, we, we talk about uh, first world problems, you know, the cable breaks down or, uh, you know, the car breaks down or uh, your steak is tough. Uh, you know, problems that really aren't problems that are, that are you know, you can fix these problems. And, uh, but many places in the world, they have some pretty serious problems, like where am I going to get my next meal? And um, uh, Paul has recognized that in whatever circumstance he finds himself in, there can be joy because of the presence of the Lord. Um, those who look to him, the psalm says, are radiant, and their faces are not ashamed. You see, there's a joy that comes in looking to Christ. Um, that's what prayer does for me. I, I, I redirect my eyes from the circumstances of life to the Lord Jesus. And then the peace comes and uh, uh, the joy in His presence comes as I trust Him. Uh, you see, God does His work of changing us as we seek Him. In prayer. Um, sometimes we're not content with, with financial provision. Uh, you could be very wealthy and not be content. Uh, many people, uh, somebody asked, I think it was uh, Rockefeller, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. And, uh, you know, so it doesn't really matter how much money you have. You can have a whole lot of things and still not be content. Uh, but, but God supplies this contentment as we seek Him, as we put Him first. Uh, there's a lot of things in life that we can give attention to, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying the things of life. The Bible says God's given us all things richly to enjoy. Uh, but there is something wrong when we put those things in priority over the Lord. But when we put God first and when we seek Him first, uh, then we can live and walk in His joy. Uh, and this is what Paul said, I, I, I have contentment. You know, uh, I've heard other people give testimony to this. Uh, they've said, you know, when we, were, when we were young, we were poor, but we were happy. And, you know, that, yes, yes, you can be happy, especially if you know Jesus Christ. You can have joy uh, even in a lack of material provisions. But some people try to have, have joy through achievement or through uh, work or or through relationships, and none of these things are wrong, and they can bring satisfaction to a certain degree. But nothing can bring the satisfaction that we need in the deepest part of our hearts but Jesus Christ. And so that's the secret that Paul had learned. So make sure that you look to Jesus Christ, that you seek Him on a regular, daily basis, to have your soul nourished in His presence, in His Word, 
uh, through time in worship at praising His name and thanking Him for the good things He's done. And enter into His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Um, I think that's why David could say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because he knew he was getting ready to enter the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is joy. So, uh, Jesus is sufficient for our satisfaction. Secondly, he's sufficient for our consistency. For our consistency. Have you ever had just a really great day spiritually? And then the next day you completely blow it. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, a lot of times, you, I, you know, you have Peter. Peter makes his great confession. He says, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, and Jesus says, you are Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, uh, everybody's excited. Peter's excited. And then Jesus shares about his suffering. And Peter says, far be it from you, Lord, to do this. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And so he's gone from one extreme to the other. Uh, I've seen that in my own life sometimes. I have a time of great victory. And oftentimes on the tail end of a great victory, the enemy will come in and he'll tempt or he'll try to draw astray. And uh, we need to have our eyes and ears open for that. But Jesus is sufficient for our consistency to help us more and more to live consistently so there's not this violent up and down in our lives spiritually, but we can have a consistency of relationship and victory in Him. He says in, uh, in verse 12, I've, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. Uh, and so well-fed or hungry, abundance or need. Uh, Charles Stanley says, uh, your time of greatest temptation uh, can be represented by the word halt. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Those are the times you're more vulnerable to temptation. But Paul says, I've learned the secret of, of, of being content when I have plenty and when I don't have plenty. Uh, and, and so there's a consistency in his life. Uh, sometimes we're, you know, God's blessing, he's answering prayers the way we want and and uh, things are going great, and then, boom, something comes into our life that we can't explain and that we don't like, and uh, we ask God to, to take care of it, and God doesn't seem to be acting, uh, at least acting quickly. Um, and, and if we're not careful, our heart can shift, and we can begin to grumble against the Lord or have a bad attitude in our walk with God. But Christ can help us be consistent in those circumstances. And, and so uh, the, the answer is to trust Christ and to look to Christ in the ups and downs of life. When we're up, to look to him and say, Lord, you have blessed me, but I know that without you I can do nothing. Please give me grace. When tomorrow comes, help me not to blow it. Uh, you know, give me your grace. Uh, help me keep my eyes on you, uh, even though I'm tired, perhaps with this great victory uh, there's a time of weariness. Or uh, if my circumstances change and, you know, things are going great and then they're, they're not going well. And, and, and say, Lord, things are not going the way I want. And I've asked you to remove this and you haven't removed this. I've asked you to do this and you haven't done it. But, Lord, 
help me just to, to rest in you and to trust you through this circumstance. Help me not to lose my faith in you. Uh, sustain me with your power. Sustain me in faith. Sustain me uh, so that I can keep my eyes upon you and not uh, go down a wrong path in my attitude or in my heart toward you. And God is able to do that. I, I remember a season of time in my life where I got bitter at God. I, I had that very thing happen. The, the circumstances weren't going the way I wanted to, and I would ask God to change them, and He wasn't changing them. And, and I began to get bitter at God, and for, for a couple of years of my Christian walk, I was bitter at God. And I was living in a spiritual desert. Finally, I told God, I said, Lord, I don't care what you do in my life. I just want the sweetness back, <laughs> you know, uh, Forgive me for my bitterness, and please change my heart and help me trust you. And you know God came to me at that point. If I was God, I'd say, well, you've been waiting two years to repent. I'm going to give you some time waiting to, you know. But, but that's not the way God was. He immediately came to me at that point when I confessed my sin to him. And then when I began to, to have that happen in some other areas of my life, rather than waiting until after I'd been bitter for two years, at the outset, I'd say, Lord, I know I know myself. I know my tendencies. And Lord, I just ask that you will help me to keep my eyes on you and help me trust you uh, through this trial, even though I don't understand what's going on and I don't see what you're doing. And, and he has been faithful to answer that prayer and to sustain me. Uh, so that, that consistency can be there. Uh, this can be give us consistency and victory over sin as well as we look to him. Uh, and learn to depend upon the Holy Spirit and to immediately pray, well, Holy Spirit, quicken me uh, and, uh, and uh, resist the enemy through me. Help me submit to Christ and resist the devil. Uh, because James says, submit to, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so, um, consistency, our consistency. Jesus is sufficient to help us be consistent. Um, you remember Moses when he was praying for Joshua on the mountain? They're fighting the Amalekites, and whenever Moses would lift his hands, Israel would start winning. When their hands would go down, uh, the Amalekites would start winning. And by the way, that's a symbol of prayer because that's the way they prayed with their hands uplifted toward God. And you remember what happens Aaron and Hur come alongside Moses because Moses is tired. I mean, can you imagine holding your hands up all day long? That probably would make you tired, even if you're a pretty strong uh, person. But Aaron and Hur support his hands, and Joshua and the Israelites won the victory. You see, oftentimes in our Christian walk, we, we may be doing okay, and then our, our hands start to sag, our spirit gets weary, our emotions get tired and, and uh, exhausted. And maybe our physical body is tired. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why is that? Because when we wait upon Him, the Lord Jesus Christ lifts our arms. And He supports us so that we can be consistent. Uh, I will never leave you or forsake you. What a great promise. Um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
What did Jesus do with the, the apostles? He rebuked them when they were in sin. He encouraged them. He supplied their needs. You remember the feeding of the 5,000? We were talking about that. They, were, they discovered a church where they have the, the five loaves and two fishes uh, uh, just recently in Israel. Uh, but anyway, Jesus supplied their needs and he, he, he did all these things for them. He's still the same today. He'll still walk with us through the ups and downs of our spiritual life and help us uh, learn to be consistent and, of course, uh, sending His Holy Spirit to help us as well. So, uh, sufficiency in Christ. In what ways is Christ sufficient? He's sufficient for our satisfaction, for our consistency. Thirdly, for our weakness. For our weakness. Look at verse 13. Paul says, I'm such an awesome Christian, I just got this wired. Is that what he says? No. He says, I'm able to do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. You see, Paul recognized his own weakness. By the way, that's one of the secrets of consistency and satisfaction in your life. is to recognize it's not about what we can do, it's about what he does on our behalf. Praise God. Uh, one of the things we share when we go out in the community uh, to tell people about Jesus is that every other religion in this world is due, but Christianity is done. Jesus paid the price. Aren't you glad? All the riches in heaven are mine in Christ. Not because I deserve them. I don't. But God in His grace has adopted me into His family, and the riches of heaven are mine because I'm in Christ. I have been raised exalted to the right hand with Christ. That's what Ephesians says. The glory and the honor of heaven are mine. So, in our weakness, we recognize that it's all about Him. It's all about what He has done and what He is able to do in our lives. And we look to Him to strengthen us. I love... Uh, Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. This is the promise of God for his people. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I tell you something? If God calls you to do something for Him, your weakness may qualify you. Because in your weakness, His power is made perfect, just as it was in Paul's life with his thorn in the flesh. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content. But he says, he says I've, I've learned how to, how to deal with all these different circumstances. Well, how have I done this? Through Christ who strengthens me. You see, He is the anchor. He is the rock upon which we stand. He is the strength, the power that sustains us. And all things are possible with God. I can do all things. All things. Meditate on those two words a little bit. All things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Have you ever said, God, I could never do fill in the blank. I could never accomplish fill in the blank. We serve a God who raises the dead. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Jesus is sufficient for our weakness. So in your weakness, just tell him about your weakness. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm weak or I'm tired. I, I don't have enough energy or I don't have uh, what I need. Lord, supply what I lack. Fill me with your power. Work through me supernaturally because what's natural in me is not enough. I lift my weakness to you and I trust you to grant me your strength. As, as we're doing what God has called us to do, we're assured of his presence. Jesus says, I'm with you always. And, that, and it's not just that Jesus is sitting there saying, boy, uh, Roger, I think you're, you're, you're doing a good job trying. One of these days you'll get it. Or, or even worse, the critic, you know. You know, you need to stop doing it that way and start doing it that, this way, you know. Uh, no, Jesus rolls up his sleeves with us and exercises his mighty strength on our behalf. And that's why in our weakness we can be strong, because Jesus is with us. So we're sufficient in Christ. He says, um, he says in what ways are, is Christ sufficient? Uh, he, is, he is sufficient for our satisfaction, our consistency, our weakness, and our need. Our need. Verse 16 says, for even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need several times. You know what I thought about as I was reading this? I thought about us sending money to Carlos. No other church helped with a matter of giving and receiving except you alone. You and I. And South Clinton Baptist Church had that, could have that same description said of us as we have been supporting our brother Carlos and his ministry down there. Um, what, a, what a great privilege. But anyway, he says... Um, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that's increasing your account. But I've received everything in full. Everything in full. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to put on. Look at the birds. Doesn't your heavenly Father feed them? Look at the flowers of the field. Not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like them. If God can close the flowers of the field, if he can feed the, the sparrows, he can take care of you. Isn't that great? Paul says, I've received everything in full. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus which you provided a fragrant offering, acceptable to God, or acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now this is very, very significant. When you give, Some people say, well, you shouldn't give because you feel obligated to give. Well, I think it's better not to sin against God to give what you're obligated to give, okay? If God tells you something to give, give it. Fulfill your obligation to the Lord, but that's not the way giving is supposed to work. Giving is worship. I love what Paul says at the, at the end of his discussion on giving in Corinthians. He says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
when we think of what God has done for us and the gift he's given, there's not enough money that we could ever earn to repay what he's done for us. So when we bring our little pittance to God, whatever we have, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's what I mean by pittance. It's not that God needs it. It's that we get to honor him. We get to worship him and say, Lord, I want to bless your kingdom. I want to honor you through what I'm given. Giving is worship. When you love somebody, you delight to give, don't you? Um, I remember when my kids were little, I've talked to y'all about this before, but on Sherry's side of the family, they were the only kids because neither one of Sherry's siblings has kids, and uh, they were the first grandkids for, for Sherry's parents. So my kids would just breathe that they wanted something, and it would show up. And, uh, I mean, they're the luckiest kids. I wish I was that lucky when I was a kid. But uh, uh, I can remember sometimes sitting there on Christmas morning and just seeing the the sheer joy on their faces as they ripped open these gifts. And I'd have to kind of hold back the tears because I was just so blessed that they were getting to enjoy these things. That's the heart with which we should give to God. Can I tell you, God watches when we give. You know how I know that? Because I was reading ahead in Mark about what I'm going to do next Sunday. <laughs> and Jesus was watching the little woman, the little widow woman, who gave her small gift. And he said, hey, Peter and John, look at this. Watch this. Look at what she's doing. She's giving more than anybody else did. Jesus is delighting in the sacrificial gift of a widow. Because it blesses his heart. I didn't mean to preach a message on giving, but I just saw that. I thought, you know, that's, yeah. It's a fragrant offering to God. It's a sweet smell in his nostrils. It brings him joy when we give. But here's the thing. When we give to God, when we give to the things of God, God then takes care of our needs. A lot of times people take this verse out of context text, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But this verse is actually in the context of a church that is generously giving, sacrificially giving, according to Corinthians. Because it said the churches in Macedonia were in poverty. Philippi was in poverty. They were giving out of their need. God says, I'll supply all your needs. Don't think that you can outgive me or out-honor me. When you honor me, I'll honor you. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of times we... we uh, we see health wealth preachers and, and we react against some of what, what they're saying. 
Listen, giving messages aren't for the purpose of making you rich. But it is true that God blesses you financially when you give. And it is also true that God blesses you in other ways. And the other ways are more significant. He blesses you spiritually. One scripture says, he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Can you put a price on souls that are saved? Can you put a price on your kids loving Jesus? God blesses us in various ways as we give. Blesses us. I love the, the, the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear Him. I saw that in my quiet time a couple of days ago. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear Him. As you, as you give, as you serve God wholeheartedly, God lets you in on secrets in life. The secrets of His truth. And He opens your eyes to the riches of His Word and He directs you in the paths you, you're going to take. I can't think of a greater blessing than that. My God will supply all, there's that word again, all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, every once in a while I do a, a uh, Star Wars marathon. I love Star Wars. And when I was sick last week, I pulled out the uh, Star Wars DVDs and I was watching uh, uh, some of those movies, and, and one of those, it, uh, Luke Skywalker is trying to get Han Solo to go with him to rescue the princess, and he doesn't want to go. He says, look, <laughs> better her dying than me, you know, and, um, and, and he says, she's rich. She's rich? How rich? More wealth than you can imagine. Well, I don't know. I can imagine quite a bit, and uh, so he ends up going. With Luke. Can you imagine? Think about this for a second. My God will supply all your needs. Here's the measure. According to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. I could imagine quite a bit, but it wouldn't be enough. To measure a place where gold is so common you walk on it. Jesus is sufficient for our need. Sufficient in Christ. What ways he's sufficient? Our satisfaction, our consistency, our weakness, and our need. And by the way, I know this is a Sunday night crowd, but he's also sufficient for our salvation. It is finished. Everything that needed to be paid was paid at the cross. Paid in full. Jesus took the wrath, the justice of God. He purchased a place in heaven for us. He made it possible for us to be adopted into God's family and called by his name. He's sufficient. Nothing in my hands I bring. I, I, I don't, we, we ask people when we go out in the community, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Great question. Usually we get something like, well, I, I go to church or I 
I live a good life, or I do more good things than bad things, but none of those things is the right answer. There's only one right answer, and that is, I'm going to get into heaven because Jesus paid the price for me to enter. He lived the perfect life I couldn't live. He died the death I deserved. He's the one, and I put all my trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and that's enough. He is able to save to the uttermost those who place their faith in Him. Aren't you glad? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word.